Warning, the Hot Thought Podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. There will also be spoilers for various anime throughout the course of this episode. Please use caution in case we discuss a series you haven't finished. Finally, the opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Hot Thought Podcast as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, where a group of nerds get together to talk about the latest in English styles from anime. I'm Jet, and I'm joined tonight by Amon. Howdy. And uh, tonight we're here to take a trip back to the good old years of the 90s. Just the most 90s thing imaginable. Uh, because uh, after many... Uh, because, uh, because after many bubs, uh, we're here to talk about the dub for Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die. And the reason I say many bubs is because uh, there was a whole very bizarre saga surrounding this dub that's gone on for like a year or two, essentially. I, I had forgotten all about it until I started watching this and was like, oh, right, that was a thing, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> because uh, the reason people found out this dub existed at all uh, was because there was a new work policy put on it by SAG-AFTRA, for some reason. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think with that, like, they wanted to uh, pull some LA talent over for it, and I guess they didn't go through SAG-AFTRA for that, so uh, that ended up falling through, and uh, yeah, no work policy put on that. Whoops. Yeah, uh, for a while, uh, most people, myself included, kind of assumed that Bentley Dub just wasn't going to happen, but no, apparently it was still a thing. And uh, so done in Canada, so uh, yeah, uh, here we are, uh, finally able to talk about it, though it, though unfortunately not as finally available as I would like, but I guess we'll get to that later. I, I know this isn't our first Canadian dub, but is this our second Canadian dub? I feel like we have not covered many of them. Yeah, this one, yeah I know we did one for, I know there was one we covered for, like, Summer at the Movies, but uh, this is my first time getting to talk about a Canadian dub, so I'm excited. Are you on the Death Note episode? Oh, so, oh yeah, Canadian? oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think this might be our third Canadian dub now, unless there's something I'm missing. No, no, this would be number three. Oh, boy. So, uh, yeah, this what so yeah, this is a dub made by our good friends in Canada. And uh, before, before we get to that, I should probably give a description. Okay, mm. hey, so, uh, pulled a little bit from Manon. After the defeat of the Dark Lord Hadlar, all the monsters were released from his evil and moved to the island of Darlamide to live in peace. Dai is the only human living on the island. He's been raised by the kindly monster breast, and Dai's dream is to grow up to be a hero. He gets to be one when Hadalar is resurrected and a previous hero of Vaughn comes to train Dai to help in the battle. But Hadalar, now taking that work for an even more powerful Dark King, Vern, comes to kill Avon. To save his students, Avon uses a powerful self-sacrifice spell to attack but is unable to defeat Hadalar. When it seems that Dai and Avon are the student popper doomed, a mark appears on Dai's forehead and he suddenly gains incredible power to fend off Hadalar. The two students then go on a journey to avenge Avon and bring peace to the world. So, uh, yeah, it's a very, very 90s story, and I'm kind of here for that. <clears throat> it's very 90s. 
I'm curious, have you played any Dragon Quest, any of the Dragon Quest games? I had a little, I want to say it was a Game Boy Advance cartridge that was the first two Dragon Quest games on it. And I definitely played a little bit of the first one up until I lost in a fight and then realized I had not saved at all in the last, like, 45 minutes. Uh, uh, and that kind of... And the... the, the, the I had covered a fair amount of ground, and the, the concept of having to redo all that kind of sapped my energy, and I put it down. And I have, I have bought the re-releases of the first three that are on the Switch, and I fiddled around with the first one a little bit. Um... Which is interesting, uh, and also kind of hard to get into, because it's, like, the first JRPG. Oh, yeah, that is true. And it's... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to return to that, but I think I might try the, um... Is it 11 that's the most yes, recent? Yeah, yeah, 11, yeah, 11 12. is the most recent, and it is the one I have played. It is very, very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, like, pick up 11 at some point and play that first, because I feel like that's probably gonna endear me to this series a little bit more than trying to... As much as I love digging into the past and mediums, maybe maybe there's a time and a place for giving yourself the easy route. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, yeah, this series is essentially kind of a spin-off of the Dragon Quest franchise. Uh, which is funny, considering that Dragon Quest itself is just uh, partially built off of Toriyama's DNA because he kind of helped come up with the character design stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this made the Shonen Jump is just kind of like a weird full circle thing. <laughs> Everything's connected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, at any rate, this did manage to get a dub. Somehow, I'm so kind of surprised that happened. And uh, even more surprised that, it, that, you know, rather than our usual hubs of Texas or Los Angeles, it was done in Canada. Uh, our friends at Ocean Studios. Uh, specifically, both Ocean Studio and Blue Water, because uh, those two studios are kind of, I guess, joined at the hip now. It's, I'm still not sure what that whole situation is, but I guess they're just like one entity now. Were they? Were they not? Are they not traditionally related? Uh, I, the, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like the whole history surrounding them is kind of weird because uh, in the like years of the 2000s, for any of you who weren't around for that. Uh, basically, if you wanted, basically, uh, if you wanted to, you know, get a dub up in Canada, there were usually two options. Uh, you had Ocean in Vancouver, which was usually kind of the higher quality one. Uh, you know, you had your folks like Brad Swalley, Richie and Cox, like you know those folks. And then, so, and then there was Blue Water in Calgary, which uh, those dubs tended to be a little on the bigger uh, side. Is it seriously in Calgary? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, that's that's extremely funny. My my context for Calgary is a uh, what the hell? I'm blanking on the name of the group, but they do that um, Last Will and Temperament thing that that Phoenix Wright animation is set to. Uh. And one of the jokes in there is that I'm going to the the punchline is that the fortune actually gets led to I believe it's like the people of Calgary, so they could afford to move somewhere decent. <laughs> The, the whole context I know for Calgary, but this feels like one of these things where, like, I feel like if I was Canadian, I'd be laughing a lot harder right now. Eh, probably. The, eh, but, the, eh, but yeah, the general consensus was usually like, Ocean, good, Blue Water, kind of, eh. But uh, both studios have somehow met, but some studios by the about the 2000s, and I guess they're just kind of working together now because they've, they've joined together on a lot of recent stuff. 
Most of which most people don't talk about, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I get the impression. I get the impression they do a lot of like kids' cartoons and things like uh, that. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of card games. You know, like your card fight, Vanguard, and those things, which I, I actually have seen a bit of because I'm kind of a weird like that. It's fair. Uh, but at any rate, uh, as with any dub, we have ADR staff, and we're going to talk about the directors and the and the adapter for this dub. On voice direction, we have Carl Williams and Jack Cox, and, uh, and credited for adaptation is Daniel Younger. Uh, Carl Williams, uh, he's done a lot of stuff in Canada, uh, basically everything. Uh, stuff like uh, the aforementioned Cardfight Vanguard, Death Note, uh, Inuyasha, and, uh, to end, uh, most funny to tonight's discussion, uh, the Ocean Dub of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, of so, uh, you know, the one that was like, uh, the one that Funimation first produced before they decided, you know what, we can do it in Texas, and, uh, that's how, and, you know, that's how the whole Texas scene started. It all comes back and to Dragon imagine Ball. Them... <laughs> it's all Dragon Ball, man. <laughs> it's always fucking Dragon Ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, assisting him... Uh, Jack Cox has done direction on such shows as Beyblade Burst, Norwich Wild, World Trigger, and the weird Canadian Gintama that we got that was, that is still somehow the best of the Gintama that we've got so far. And then, uh, Dead or Younger, uh, I can only find one adapted, I can only find one script printed to his name, but, uh, funny enough, it's for the recent dub of Future Boy Conan that we got. Huh. Did not realize. I didn't know that was a Canadian dub. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it was. I think, like, Disco. Uh, yeah, I think, like. I can't remember if it was Disco Tech or. Yeah, I think it might have been Disco Tech. No, it was, like, G Kids or Lemon Arts who announced they had it. And then it was, like, a debated cast. Everyone was, like, wait, really? Yes, no, it's, uh, it's, it was G Kids who picked it up. I do remember that. <clears throat> also, uh, so, fun, fun fact. And slight, slight asterisks, because I'm getting this from a wiki, but according to this source, uh, Blue Water Studios is, in fact, a, a subsidiary of Ocean. They are, like, their budget studio. Yeah, that would check out. Which, I, I, which, like, I don't, it can't be a coincidence that they're called Ocean and Blue Water. That feels too, too intentional to be an accident. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, honestly... But so yeah, it's been a little bit since I've heard a Canadian joint, but uh, yeah, I really like how this one sounds. It has a very appropriately 90s feel to it, which is kind of going to be the theme here. Like, uh, like, it, like yeah. it sounds like the sort of thing you would like wake up to watch on a Saturday morning in your pajamas, but like, you know, a bowl of Captain Crunch or something. Oh, this 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 definitely took me back to the days of watching your, your kids WB and... I don't remember if Fox Kids had a had a block name during the years I was watching it, but like stuff that would show up on there. I actually, I actually wanted to ask since I feel like you're a little more familiar with the show. Would you would you call this a kids anime? Uh, I mean it. Uh, sort of. I mean I don't think it's. Uh, it's kind of funny because I don't think it's particularly inappropriate. Yeah, like, there's nothing in it that's really inappropriate for kids. Like there is some. I like, there is some minor swearing because I don't know. I guess Toei, 
And I, I know it's weird because I don't want to just um, sort of feel like Poe maybe wanted to see if they could get out of Kids Network. But again, there is some swearing, so I don't know. Maybe they thought maybe they could gamble on Adult Swim or something. But uh, so, but I also, if you could put up with some light swears, I didn't get into this year. That would be too objectionable to kids. But again, it is still like a Cheddar Jab thing. So, you know, it, it doesn't have any more violence than, you know, say like My Hero or something. So, like, it's not explicitly for like little, little kids, but you, you can probably show it to like, you know, an eight year old or something. And it'd be able to call it fine. Yeah, this, this feels like a strong Y7. I have no idea if they're still using that TV rating system, but that's the one I always remember from when I was a kid. This feels like a this feels like a Y7 show. Yeah, you know, like a little bit of play, but not but not words, and you know, like Dragon Ball T in its heyday. It would have been a good, if not on you know your your kids WB, it would have been a good choice for like Toonami back when it was a Saturday evening sort of thing. Yeah, I would have been for Toonami back then. But, uh, yeah, I really do like the very 90s energy of the direction, and the script is also pretty fun in that respect. They have, like, some pretty good one-liners occasionally. Uh, a little weird, considering Toei commissioned the dub, so you would figure it would be, like, pretty one-to-one, but they do get, you know, to have a little, a few quips every now and then, and I think that gives it a little extra spice. It's very, it's very fun-sounding. It sounds... I don't know why I'm surprised on this. I think it's because I, I do not keep up with One Piece, but I'm very aware that Toei have a iron fist on all their properties and are clearly very micromanaging. Um, so I, I think I was I was pleasantly surprised to just hear how like oh this this is very like it passes the test of like would have I, would I have enjoyed this when I was ten? The answer is yes, I would have enjoyed this if I was ten, both because the the anime is pretty solid, and this is like a nice, fun, complimentary dub. It's got energy, it's exciting. Uh, everybody sounds correct, as we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, some of the characters have goofy cartoon voices, which is something that doesn't show up in the kind of anime we usually cover anymore, and it's just nice to hear that. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yeah, that is definitely a stable of the dub. I appreciate just the very goofy cartoon voice that it gave away. But, uh, yeah, uh, I really do like everything. If there's, like, maybe one, like, minor nitpick I would have, it's that between, like, the two directors, uh, there's, uh, there are a couple of points where I could, like, maybe tell, like, which, uh, like, which director's on what episode, because, uh, Carl Williams has been around for, like, a very long time since, like, the 90s, so... That's uh, obviously he's like very experienced in what he's doing, and so uh, uh, Jack Cox has also been doing stuff for a while, but uh, his stuff is a little more recent. So I guess between the two, uh, Carl Williams' direction is kind of a little more uh, put together. Uh, uh, so, so uh, yeah, so that can sometimes be like a little distracting during like maybe some of the more dramatic moments, but for the most part, I think. Yeah, but for the most part, I don't have, like, too many problems with how it's directed, and I do think everyone sounds pretty good. I'd agree. Oh. Uh, and so, on that note, I guess we probably should, uh, get to the characters. And for the sake of, and for the sake of case of the discussion easy, we're basically breaking this down into two sections, the bad guys and the good guys. Yeah, uh, so starting with the bad guys, we have uh, the leaders of the Dark Army. So we have, so we have Dark King Vern, uh, Hadlar, Rocketine, Zabora, 
Jungle, Blazard, Miss Vern, and Baron. And so Dark King Vern, as uh, obviously advertised, is the Dark King. He is the ruler of the underworld and the current leader of the Dark Army. Uh, we don't see, we don't get to see what he looks like for a while, but he just has like very, just very clear, shadowy overlord energy. Just you know, very Doctor Claw vibes, which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's gonna get you next time, Gadget, <laughs> or or die. Yeah, and then we have Hadlar, the former Dark Lord, who once tried to conquer the world, and now he serves as now he serves Vern as the commander of the Dark Army and seeks to defeat Die before he grows too powerful. And then we have Crocodile, the commander of the Furfang Legion, also known as the Beast King. Uh, he's one of the first generals Hadlar sends after Die, and he has a pretty strong sense of honor. He's a, he's a cool Crocodile guy. And then Zamora, the commander of the Mystic Legion. He's kind of a slimy little weasel who's willing to use whatever underhanded tactics will let him win. He, that's a very slimy dude. He kind of sucks. He's evil Yoda. Ah, <laughs> uh, that is... <laughs> He doesn't talk like Yoda, but otherwise it's evil Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Little bastard. <laughs> and then we have Hilgul, the commander of the Undead Legion. Uh, he is actually a former disciple of Avon, like Dai, Pop, and Man, but he resents Avon because, like Dai, Hilgul was raised by monsters, and he believes that Avon was responsible for killing his father when he first defeated Hadlar, so he's understandably upset about that. And then uh, we have Flazar, the commander of the Blizzblaze Legion. He's a monster made of both fire and ice, which is just extremely funny. <laughs> and then uh, Mistfer, the commander of the Shadow Legion. He's very mysterious, just has like a very big robe. He doesn't speak a lot. You know, just very big mystery guy. And, that's a, and then Baron, the commander of the Dragon Legion. He doesn't have too much to do in these episodes, but he has a very cool mustache. Mm-hmm. Fine, fine, fine bit of facial hair right there. Mm. Uh, so playing Dark King Verb, we have Paul Dobson. For Hadlar, we have Brian Drummond. For Crocodile, we have Jason Simpson. For Zabora, we have Lee Takar. Uh, for Hyunko, we have Bits and Tongue. For Flazard, we have Brian Drummond again. Uh, for Miss Bird, we have Alk Tahara. And for Baron, we have Dean Reed. Yeah, so Paul Dobson, uh, it's a name you might have heard if you've listened to some Canuck stuff. Uh, he's Falcon in Ethno Floating the Movie, uh, Miyoko the Flea, and Naraku in Inuyasha. And also, the true, the most evil and despicable of Romoko Takahashi's characters, Apasai and Rama One Half. Oh no, really? Yeah. Jeez. So, so he's been around a while is what you're telling me, yeah. dear lord. And then, uh... Uh, Brian Drummond, another name you might have heard if you've listened to some good stuff. Uh, he's Betty in Black Lagoon. Uh, Alistair in Chakagono China Season 1. And again, what is particularly funny for tonight's discussion, Vegeta in the Ocean Up of Dragon Ball Z. Extremely amusing because this is pretty much as him getting to play Vegeta again. Uh, Lee Takar uh, has played such characters as Cobra in... And Morisaki W. Power Taku with Dragon Drive. And General Durahan in Monster Rancher. Uh, Vincent Tog has played such characters as Orlo in Future Boy Conan. Leo Kazami in World Trigger. And something I find extremely amusing. 
Don't advance on death note. Yeah, this is extremely sarcastic choice of, you know, what if we got, like, what if we got monster to the place, not, what if we got monster to the place, Sasuke? Yes. Extremely music dancing choice. Love it. Yeah. And, uh, but Brian Diamond has done, again, done everything I already mentioned, but also Ryuk and Death Note. Uh, which is, again, funny because it's kind of him doing the Ryuk voice, but maybe like a little raspier. And then uh, Alcatara has played such characters as Greg Day in Beat About Fire Blast, uh, Shinsuke Tatsugi in Negan Tamadab, and uh, Neo Delandi in Mobile Suit Gundam Double O. And then lastly, Dean Raymond has played such characters as Stream Preserves in Beat About Fire Blast. Better Clay in Beyblade Burst Evolution, and a character I'm and a character I know it best for Dutch and Black Lagoon. Huh? How about that? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, so yeah, like all these folks have been around a while. Some around longer than I thought, because uh, I actually <laughs> didn't recognize half of these names. Uh, but that's the uh, fun of and stuff. Yeah, you know, aside from Brian, Dr- I mean Brian Drummond's the only Canadian. Brian Drummond and uh, who is it? Ian Richard Cox, the the go to uh, Takahashi protagonist guy. Uh, they're like the only Canadian actors I know off the top of my head. Yeah, so yeah are, I mean, I recognize are... Paul Dobson, but like again, he's all, but he's you know, he's also in a lot of Takahashi stuff. So like, yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I like a lot of these. But I can probably. Uh, Start with like Marauder Mystery because I don't really talk too much of these bunch of episodes, but I think I, say, eh, I think for what we get, they both sound appropriate for their roles. Like the uh, D. Raymond has a very like deep, booming voice, and he kind of gets to do that here, which I appreciate. As an and Altara does the whole like mystery man thing pretty well. Yeah, Dean Dean does a good job of making Baron seem. He's a dude, but like, what's his deal? Why? Why is he here? The Dark Lord, the Dark King, doesn't like humans. Why is he letting this guy run his show? Uh, he, 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 he's like authoritative, but also like there's a little bit of some mystery about him. Like, what's what's going on? Which I'm sure I'll find out if I watch more than thirteen episodes. Yeah, yeah, his deal gets explained in like the next five episodes. Uh, beautiful. Don't have to wait very long. Uh, and, and yeah, Alex does just fine with the whole, he doesn't, does he giggle? I'm trying to, he makes noise, I'm trying to remember what it is. Uh, yeah, he makes some noise and he does have, like, a few speaking lines, but otherwise he's just kind of, like, there looming in the background. He's, he's there to be ominous. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Alex does a good job. He's ominous. Yeah. And then I guess, uh, and then I guess, uh, Zamora and Crocodile do, uh, yeah, both very fun performances. And Lutakar, again, just gets to be a really, really slimy weasel, and it's, it's very amusing. I hate him so. He's terrible. He sucks. I don't, I don't like him. He's really bad. Yeah, uh, yeah, because, uh, in the first... Uh, yeah, in one of the, like, first major battles, uh, Hadlar sends Crocodile to deal with Dai. Uh, so, uh, Crocodile, uh, has a little bit of trouble, so he ends up going 
So as he ends up going to Zabora for help, and Zabora's like, oh, well, you know, if you... Zabora's like, oh, well, you know, uh... Dad clearly has a weakness, you know, where if you, you know, take his grandpa, hold him hostage, you can get him to do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I uh, just threatened his loved ones, it's easy. <laughs> and, and Crocodile, on the other hand, is not really too keen about uh, doing all that, but he decides to go along with it because he's kind of upset about losing. What did you know it like? Die and pop kind of convinced him, like, you know, maybe it's not a maybe it's not a very good thing to cheat. You should fight fair. He's he he may be a villain, but he's got nobility, damn it. His uh, standards. Uh, yeah, I do yeah, I really do like uh Jason. I really do like uh what Jason's doing as Crocodile and it, it's really a lot of fun. I don't like I like I'm not very like uh, obviously not all that familiar with him, but so, uh, I really do. I really do like the boy to get from Crocodile. It has like this very big, it has this very big booming energy. It's just this really kind of deep, rambly cartoon voice. You don't get to hear a lot in most anime. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very like it's very, it's very, it's very much in my mind. I always think of like '80s cartoon character kind of voice. Uh, he, has, he doesn't sound exactly like Bebop and Rocksteady, but if there was a third one, based on some other animal, he'd probably sound like this. Um, but I, I also give him some, like, he's he's very fun and he sounds like a big scaly monster, but, uh, I also do appreciate that he's able, he's able to get, he's able to give Crocodile some, like, real pathos when the time calls for it. Uh, which I feel like is not easy to do when you're doing a big silly cartoon voice, uh, but I, I think he gets it across. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he does do a very good job of like getting across the whole like honor bound warrior thing, where he really wants to fight die fairly, and then kind of gets upset when he can't do that, and has to kind of go back on that for his pride, only to realize, you know, I really should try to fight fairly. And then he eventually accepts this when he loses, and I think that Jason gets all that across pretty well. Hmm. And so anything like anything you guy anything I kinda of appreciate that like I feel like in most other shows, you'd kinda of be like a really fun one note villain, but you otherwise wouldn't see him again. I think I appreciate it that he gets to come back. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be very, it'd be very easy to just have him like he gets his butt kicked and that is the last we ever heard of that dude. And it is nice that he actually gets like a little bit of an arc to himself. And yeah, he gets to come He'll... back and like be redeemed a bit. Yeah. Not not everyone in the Dark Army is terrible. Some of them are just some of them just fell in with their lot because of who they are. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then uh, I guess I guess that probably would be a good uh, segue to talking about Hugo, who is also kind of there for like the weird reasons, but also, uh, but also uh, because he's a little bit empty. Because you know, of course, you have to have an empty boy in here. It's it's the it's the nineties. It's the rule. It's the rules. You gotta have a like. You got you gotta have a you gotta have a equal opposite type uh, young person protagonist for your young protagonist to uh, fight against. And who better than one from similar a similar situation that ended up going in a completely different direction? Uh, 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 yeah, it's funny because I know I said Sasuke, but in truth, he's probably closer to uh, Iki from Saint Seiya. That sounds right, actually. Yeah. Uh, also, also, I understand his pain. If I was raised by a skeleton, I'd be mad too. If someone killed him. That's just that's just rude. Is it? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I do think uh, Vincent does a really uh, he does a he does a pretty good job of selling you know all the edge where like yeah this 
Yeah, like he's uh, he's currently got a tip on his shoulder because he's mad about what happened to his dad. And uh, and like more and more than Willie do like take it out on the rest of humanity, and it that bits it kind of gets uh, that raised across pretty well. And it makes for like the pretty uh, good interactions when he deals with like die and the others. You know, he get I think he get he gives I think one of the. He might get, at least of the part I've seen, he might give the most, the strongest dramatical performance, I think just because, um, Yuckle has, like, such a, a strong, like, hook to his character. Uh, you know, just, if, if for no other reason, just kind of being like he's the inversion of Die, he's the guy raised by monsters where that ended badly, and he didn't have a happy childhood. Uh, and he's just got a lot of anger and boiling over resentment, and I think Vincent does a good job of making him feel very, even when he's calm, you can tell that he's just very, he's just very unhappy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't like how his life has turned out, and he can't do anything about it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I agree. I do think that. I do think Vincent gets that across pretty well. It does make the. Uh, it does make his mental class, class would die interesting. Where, uh, 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 where he does try to take that resentment out of him, only to eventually, uh, eventually realize what actually happened, which. As a, as a, as a, as a witch, as a, as a witch, like, yeah, it's, as a, as a witch, yeah, I am kind of glad he gets redeemed, I do, uh, I guess part of me sort of wishes they found some other way to do that. As a, as a, as a, besides, besides, besides having him Terminator to himself in a pit of lava? Okay, look, this, okay, look, this is a Shonen Jump thing, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure I don't have to tell you, he's probably not, he's not actually not. We didn't see a body at the end, right? Like he'll he'll be fine. <laughs> Who among us has not dipped themselves in lava and come out on the other side? Okie dokie. Yeah, yeah, so there's that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I was mostly talking about like the whole like conch thing seemed. It, it's it's a little convenient, but again, you know, it's it's the nineties, so I guess it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But either way, I do. I do think Vincent did a good job with Hyogo, and it's not the last time we'll be talking about Vincent tonight, but I do think he did a pretty good job distinguishing himself from the other character he plays. Like, if I hadn't looked at the credits, I probably would not have been able to immediately tell what they were, and so that's cool. Yeah. And then, and then, on the other hand, the distractor we just have like okay. Actually, you know, we we'll, can probably talk about Vern before we talk about Hadlar because uh, obviously Hadlar has more to do with episodes. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do uh, like Paul. I do like Paul Dobson as Vern. Again, he's just kind of like a very big, shadowy overlord so far. But he does a very good job of like reading that specific kind of energy to him. Where like every time he, where every time he speaks, it's just got your. And Tessa does kind of immediately draw to him. You know, they 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 pick they made the right choice as far as like you know be, you know for a character who I don't believe we see like we don't see him on we don't see him see him at any point. He's mostly just a voice for this stretch of the show if memory serves. Yeah, uh, and they they do they, Paul does a good job of having a lot of presence just in his voice alone. Is it, uh, yeah, and, you know, so, yeah, it is very intimidating and scary, which makes it a lot of fun. Again, very, 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 very Dr. Claw, very evil mastermind. 
who uh, he doesn't he doesn't go and cause trouble himself. He has a lot of lackeys to do that, but he comes off as a as a menacing figure nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that is, yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, that's pretty amusing. But uh, but then what is also very amusing, uh, Brian Drummond is Hadlar, who is just uh, clearly having a lot of fun getting to go essentially play Vegeta again. <laughs> Which is funny, because when he first shows up, my, my first thought when I looked at him, it's like, you look like Piccolo in the game, don't you? <laughs> you're just, you're, you're Piccolo through, like, the manga artist style, and then whoever the, was the character designer for this anime's style, aren't you? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just that he's green, I don't know. He looks, he looks, I can see, I can see the more Piccolo-looking version of him inside. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you can kind of see it. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, Brian Drummond is just—he's a lot of fun as a handler. Just a very, just kind of a very obvious, like exactly what it says on the tin kind of bad guy. He's—he's oh, he's wonderfully just hammy and menacing. Just like it's a bad dude. He's—he's <laughs> he's the former Dark Lord. He's not a good guy. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna leave all that empathy and nuance and emotional complexity to likes of Crocodile and and Hyunkle. He's just rotten. If maybe a little little annoyed that he's not the top dog anymore, but hey, he's not dead. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that is kind of the thing I appreciate about driving Dumbass' performance and why I kind of compared it to Vegeta a bit because yeah, Vegeta also kind of had a tip on his shoulder for a while in that he was kind of really upset that he was kind of you know one of Doctor Freeze and. Uh, Hadlar gives across that very, gives across a similar kind of energy. Like, he's not as bitter about it, but he is clearly, like, a little annoyed that he's kind of a flunky now. <laughs> he, he feel, he, I don't know where the story goes, obviously, but I can, I can smell a sort of Starscream-esque, I'm going to betray the boss so I can be the boss storyline in his future. Uh, no idea if that's going to happen, but I can, I can see it. His, 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 his character does go in a very interesting direction, I will say that. Alright. But yeah, but yeah, I really do like. But yeah, I really, I really do dig Brad Drummond's performance a lot. It's just, it's just he has a he has a lot of energy to it. It really is kind of fun to him, kind of you know start off kind of you know a little bit more calm and menacing, and then like and then as we and then it kind of gradually unravels and interacts a bit more with like Dynavon, uh He gets to go a little bit more ham as it goes on. It, it's really a lot of fun. Mhm. Mm uh, but oh, I did. I did want to give credit to what it. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not super familiar with Dragon Quest. I have a. You know, I have a vague knowledge of kind of the plot line, mostly in that you know, there's the good guys and there's a the bad guy, and the good guys fight the good guy. You know, etc. Um, but as someone who is not very familiar, I did like that at least in. His fights with Dai, when Dai is able to get the upper hand on him, I thought Brian did a good job of communicating, like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen. This is wrong. Uh, like, he, he did a good job of, like, establishing stakes for this world uh, through his performance in that way. And I, I, I enjoyed that. It, it it helped build up what's going on in here. Yeah, so, for for some... Mm -hmm. uh, so, oh, yeah, that's always an aspect of the translation I forgot to mention previously, but... It's something I do appreciate is that if you have played the games, uh, this show actually does use a lot of the terminology for the games. Uh, uh, That's like, good. like all the item names and like spells and all that are like essentially the same. I, I, I appreciate a franchise with a good solid localization Bible you can turn to. 
yeah, the show does kind of follow a little bit of video game logic in that respect. Like they do call things items and whatnot. And, yep. and again, like all this, and again, like both of his male names are the same. And even like, and like, and even like, you know, the whole concept of a hero. It's not even like, oh, you know, like children want to dig. It's like, no, a hero is just kind of a, like a thing you can be in a Dragon Quest. That's very. I know. I know that. That's very. I. I. I read a like a little bit of the beginning of the manga because it's on the Shonen Jump app now. Uh, I actually kind of want more of it. I'm wonder. I'm wondering if it keeps that up because that's that's a very popular style now. But I feel like that was not a thing in. I, th I want to say the manga's from the '90s originally, maybe the late '80s. Yeah. Uh, like I that was that was not really a thing yet, and it's it's very funny to me that this like random Dragon Quest spinoff is maybe the protogenitor to this particular style of fantasy anime that's now like just it, like, uh, so, yeah. like so. So I've read, I've picked up random light novels that are in a fantasy setting, and they're like, ah, oh, this is just a video game, but a book. I see. All right. Yeah, that's how you're. Right, that's where you're going. Yeah, it is a little. It is funny because I because I did also read like a little bit of the manga on the jump app. It's kind of funny because the manga does have like oh the characters have like levels and stuff, and the anime and the anime does kind of mostly admit that too. I guess I don't know. I keep the setting a little bit more natural, which I guess kind of works for what it's doing. It probably it probably helps that it's not as direct a tie-in anymore. Uh, like I don't I don't think I don't know when I don't know when this was made, but at least right now there's no obvious like the most recent Dragon Quest thing I think that came out was technically Yakuza Seven. It, it the extend the extended tribute to Dragon Quest games that that is in its own <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, Dragon Quest well did get announced a while ago, but uh, I don't know when that's coming. Hmm. Uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I do appreciate that there is some consistency in there. It does make it. So, yeah, it does make it a lot of fun because you know you have characters like chatting, attack names like confronts and stuff. And that's just it. It sounds very silly, but it's fun. It, it is fun. That's that's. I do I do like that it's not. It doesn't try and stop being too video gamey. Uh, like it, like it knows what it is, and it's fine with that. Uh, I know, and you know, I, I don't, I don't know why they would try and hide that in localization, but I'm glad they didn't. Like it's just, yeah, it's a video, it's a video game anime. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Somebody will, yeah, some somebody will go, uh, somebody will go see a cover of uh, Dragon Quest Eleven in a store, and it's like, hey, this kind of looks like that guy from that anime I watched. I should buy this. Uh, uh, it's funny you say that because like the protagonist of Dragon Quest Eleven actually looked more like Trunks for some reason. Now that I do know, but they got they got the same like platinum, they got the same like silver silver platinum like hair color. Uh, but yes, he does look like Trunks for whatever reason. I guess I don't know. They got tired of the protagonist looking like a generic Toriyama character. They want something a little more specific. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Toriyama was just bored when he was doing the character designs for that one to decide to have fun with people. Who can say? All right. Uh, well. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, speaking of video game characters, again, obviously you cannot have. Obviously, you can't have bad guys, but not some heroes. So uh, we should probably talk about the heroes party. Okay. Let me pull my notes back up. Okay, so it is time to talk about Heroes Party. We have Dai, Pop, uh, Leona, Mam, Yvonne, Gomachan, and Grandpa Burris. 
Uh, so, Dai is our protagonist, a young boy who wants up on Dirtline Island as a baby and was raised by monsters. Uh, he was raised to become a mage, but he dreams of becoming a hero and gets his chance when the hero tutor bot appears and he becomes one of his disciples in order to someday defeat the Dark Lord. And then we have Pop. Uh, he's a mage who is another disciple of Avon. Uh, he's kind of a uh, he's kind of a coward and a little bit of a wimp. Uh, <laughs> just a very wimpy dude, but he's a lot of fun. And then uh, we have Leona, the princess of Papnica. Um, she uh, she comes to Durblind Island in order to uh, complete sage training so she can uh, someday ascend the throne. But uh, uh, but while she's there, uh, some uh, politics happen. Uh, her vassals try to. Uh, Assassinate her, you know, uh, as you do. Uh, Die uh, saves her, and the two of them become acquainted after that. And then, uh, Mam is another disciple of Avon. Uh, her, both her parents were members of Avon's party, and she was trained as a warrior priest. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, but unlike them, she doesn't have the ability to do attack spells on her own, so instead she has a magic bullet gun, which, uh, lets her shoot. Uh, magic out of it like a gun. It's pretty cool. And then uh, we have Avon himself, who is who proclaims himself to be the hero tutor, and he's kind of and he's kind of like a weirdly dorky looking guy. He has he has glasses and like you know his hair looks like a wig. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> he's very very unassumingly designed. Uh, yeah. I, him him being the hero actually surprised me. I assumed the punchline was going to be is that he was another uh, bad guy in disguise or something <laughs> because of how dorky uh, he looked. Yeah, uh, yes, he was in fact uh, the former hero who originally defeated the Dark Lord. Uh, but uh, while he's training die, uh, things don't go particularly well for him uh, again as the 90s. And then uh, we have Gobachan, who is a golden metal slime, who is a nice companion. It's just a very cute little guy. And then uh, lastly, we have Grandpa Grass, who I mean, Grandpa Brass, my bad. Uh, Grandpa Brass, who is a lump shaman, who is uh, who is the one who originally found Dai's baby and uh, and raised him in order to become a mage while kind of shooting down all his desires to become a hero because uh, he's kind of stubborn. Uh, so playing Die, we have Sabrina Pater. I don't know if that's how we pronounce it. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'm right. Uh, Pop is played by Cole Howard. Uh, Leona is played by Carrie Sheridan. Mab is played by uh, Diana Karina. Avon is played by Vincent Tong again. Uh, Gomez is played by Michelle Molux. Edgar Pop Rax is played by Alquilos. Uh, Sabrina Pitt has played such characters as Nika Aoi in Beyblade Burst, Kaomi Kaido in Future Card Buddy Fight, and Conan in Future Boy Conan. Uh, Cole Howard has played such characters as Leif in Dotora Quest, Shinpachi Shimura in Gintama, and Shin, and yeah, um, most interesting for me, uh, Shin in Kingdom. I'm curious, uh, do you remember what uh, went on with the original dub for uh, Seasons 1 and 2 in Kingdom? No, remind me. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, so uh, originally, uh, Funimation licensed Kingdom and uh, they simulcasted it. 
But uh, it didn't do very well because I guess uh, people were kind of upset about the whole, like, uh, 3D CG thing Perot was doing for the ah. entirety of Season 1. And uh, Funimation ended up not dubbing it themselves, so uh, it just kind of sat on their streaming service for a while. And then, like, one day, they out of the blue, they announced a DVD release for it. And the DVD release had a dub. But for some reason, uh, the Japanese track was considered a default option, and the dub was just kind of an add-on. People were very confused as to why. <laughs> and then everyone heard the dub. Uh, <laughs> uh, the dub was done in a Canadian studio. It was not It was not Ocean or Blue Water. I actually don't remember which one it was. Uh, but it was definitely a uh, very uh, kind of low-budget effort, and uh, that dub didn't sound very good. Uh, but cool. Uh, but now, this 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 part I remember. Now, now you're describing it. This I remember. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that was not very good. But uh, Cold Howard was in it as the main character, and uh, well, everyone else in that dub was kind of rough. He did a pretty good job there. So uh, I, I'm glad his career has picked up since then. That's nice. Oh. Yeah. Well, oh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. Sub sub blue water Canadian doves. That's <laughs> yeah. oh man. And then uh, uh, getting back, uh, back on track there. Uh, Diana Karina has played such characters as Sarah and Future Boy Conan, and Azumi Kaka in World Trucker Season Two, and uh, Leechy in Rambo One Half Big Triple and Necron, uh, because I guess he's also been around for a while. And then. Yeah, uh, Tog has done everything I've written before, and also, uh, just because I found it while I was looking up on ANN, apparently he was Zuko in uh, Nickelodeon Kart Racers 3. I, uh, I guess <laughs> I didn't feel like I Dante Bosco back for that. We don't, we don't have Dante Bosco money for the dumb kart racing game. Get the Canadians to do it. Uh. Um, so... Sidebar, did you do Kelly's credits? Uh, uh, uh no, uh, Kelly. Uh, Kelly Sheridan has, uh, she's been around for a long time. And, uh, she's played his characters as Nana K and Nana. Uh, best boy, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, best girl, uh, Ukiyo Kinoji in Rama One Half. Uh, but the thing, uh, most 2000s people would probably know her for, she is Sango and Inuyasha. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, to, uh, Michelle Malux has uh, played his characters as uh, Rick and Tatsunagi in Carfight Vanguard, Fiona in Scared to Go, and something I found pretty amusing, uh, Hannah Whitehouse, a.k.a. Cure White in Pretty Cure, specifically uh, the dub of Pretty Cure that Toei commissioned back in the day in Canada for some reason. I like... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and live and say they probably they probably commissioned that dub in Canada for the same reason they commissioned this dub in Canada. It's cheaper than the Americans. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't remember what the exact story with that dub was. I think, like, they had originally... I heard, like, I always heard they had, like, originally tried to pitch Pretty Cure to four kids or something. And then that didn't fall mm -hmm. through. So they, I guess it just went... They get, well, this do our own dub. And uh, that's how we got that dub. Like, the only... Pretty sure dub that Toei has ever done themselves. And uh, I, 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 I do appreciate their instincts. That like, wait a minute, we have a bunch of popular children's media in Japan. Why can't we sell this internationally? Uh, um, they just don't seem to be very good at uh, it. Yeah, and uh, I guess I didn't feel like ever trying again because uh, we got Glitter Force instead, and uh, 
Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, uh, very unfortunate. What you yeah. gonna do? And then, uh, Alec Willows has uh, played such characters as Tarantulas in Transformers Beast Wars, the mayor in Powerpuff Girls Z, and again, uh, very amusing for the purposes of this show, uh, Oolong in the Ocean Dub of Dragon Ball Z. Who, who is he in Beast Wars? Uh, Tarantulas. I, I, honestly, I haven't seen Beast Wars since, like, I was five, so I wouldn't remember any of the characters. I, I think I vaguely know who you're talking about, but anyways. I keep forgetting Powerpuff Girl Z is a real thing and not an internet joke. I said, uh, uh, no, uh, no, it's real, and uh, it was something Canada. Uh, so the, the way they dubbed it was also kind of weird because... Um, so, uh, because uh, it's, about, it's a basketball girl thing for, like, whatever reason, and, like, in a Japanese version... Uh, they uh, the girls who have like actual names and then like they transform into you know like bubbles, side bubbles, blossom and buttercup and that sort of thing. And then in the dub for some reason they just decided to make that like their actual names, which again feels weird because they're kind of trying to do the whole secret identity thing because it's a basketball girl show. It's it, that's a very weird decision. I don't know why they did that. It's to not confuse small children, maybe I don't know. <laughs> that whole that whole thing sounds very confused to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it, it, it is a very it is a very weird project. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess you can probably uh, start with uh, Gobachan and Grandpa Brass. Uh, obviously, uh, Gobachan just really kind of squeaks a lot, but I do think Shell does a pretty good job of that. It's a fine fine Pokemon performance. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of a lot of a lot of lot of noises that don't necessarily mean anything in particular. Oh uh, yeah, it, it is it is just very much Pokemon, but I do think it's very cute. That's oh, adorable. A hey, quality quality mascot character voice. Yeah. No no notes. Good yeah. job. And then uh, I do like Alec Willows a lot as Grandma Brassy. Yeah, he has the right amount of like kind of sour old man energy to him. Oh, he's a he's a he's a he's a big grump. Uh, he was a what? What did you say his monster type was? He's a a lump sorcerer, uh, or a lump yeah, shaman. Supposed to be like a lump, yeah, a lump shaman. I think. I was wondering what he was supposed to be. That's that's funny. That's, that's, uh, uh, yeah, like a lot of the Dragon Quest monster names are all like extremely silly. So, uh, so, uh, like the, uh, yeah, like we didn't talk about, it, but like the skeleton, but like uh, your old skeleton dad is called an armful. And he has six arms, that's great! <laughs> so you're telling me Toriyama worked on this? <laughs> I would never have guessed. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I do. Yeah, but yeah, I do like uh, Alec performance he does. Again, he gives off like the kind of crotchety old man energy really well. And, and I do like a lot of his interactions with Dai, where he's just like very upset that Dai, that Dai refuses to follow in his footsteps and be amazed like him. He does, yeah, he does, give, he does a very good job of um, walking on that line between being like a, 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 you know, paternal grandpa and sort of, you know, demanding you need to work harder, grandpa. Uh, but, uh, he's. Uh, mm -hmm. I can go ahead. Uh, he, 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 you know, he spends a lot of time challenging Dive. You can tell that, like, he's do he's doing this because he's he's trying to he's trying to go for the best for Dive, which maybe includes like 
don't be the hero, son. It's a, it's not a great job. Yeah, it looks sexy now, but then you get killed uh, saving a bunch of children on an island no one's heard of. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, but uh, he does. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to come around. And I thought that was like, I thought that was pretty sweet. And I did. And again, I did think he had a lot of good interactions with Nye and uh, Winter Vaughn that I thought had were pretty fun. Hmm. And, 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 he also does, and he also does get to briefly come back during the whole crocodile fight where he's where he's held hostage and it didn't feel very bad for him there. Uh, poor guy. Yeah, I'm glad he did at least get the kinds of break after that, but that whole, uh, but that whole fight was pretty wild. Hmm. And then, uh, so, uh, so, and then, uh, Vincent Tong is a Vaughn. Again, uh, he is also the show as he'll go, but he does do a pretty good job of distinguishing between the two of them. Like, Hugo sounds, uh, you know, a little bit more, like, anime anti boy like you would expect. And then, uh, Avon, on the other hand, is kind of, you know, a, a little bit more over the top, like, kind of a very silly adult. <laughs> Big big hammy man. This this is this is one of the reasons why I initially thought the twist was going to be that he was a villain of some point. He seemed too silly to be a good <laughs> Even though even though the opening credits more or less hinted who he is anyways, I just wasn't paying that much attention, I guess. Um he's great though. I think I he's very funny. I like him a lot. Um yeah. He's a this... yeah, he is extremely silly. Mm-hmm. No, this 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 dub's a little too even for me to have like a really strong favorite performance, but I, th- I think Vincent as Avon comes closest. He's just he's very entertaining. I mean, he's playing teacher. He's a little bit of a troll, the way I find very entertaining. Um, but he also gets his like big splashy like Leoman, I'm going to sacrifice myself so y'all can live moment, mm. uh, which I, I thought was very well done. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, I do think he handled, like, the whole big sacrifice pretty well. And then, like, uh, and then, like, before that, he does a pretty good job of, like, switching between being kind of, like, you know, the big goofball and then, like, the serious mentor whenever he needs to be. Uh, but, uh, particularly whenever he's kind of, like, trying to, you know, encourage Pop to, like, get off his butt next week do something. It's... Pop, I know you can do better than this. Just believe in yourself. It's not hard. I believe in you every day. Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, very clearly trying to be motivational there. No, he, he he comes across as like an actual good teacher, which you know that's, that's important to the character, obviously. But I think they, I think Vincent does a good job of making him feel he, he, like he's funny and he's noble, and he he does sincerely seem like a guy who is trying to bestow information on these these kids. In a way where, like, I want to push you, but I don't want to push you away. Uh, it's, it comes through the performance, and I like that. It's nice. Yeah, I do like that. And another thing I appreciate about performance is that he also doubles as the narrator for the show, and I think he does a pretty good job with that, too. Well, there you go. Uh, what else? Oh, I, I also like the little exchange he had with um, Hyunkel's dad. Where it's like, why aren't you killing me? And it's like, that thing you're wearing around your neck. A child made that. And if you have a child hanging around here long enough to make you things, you can't be that bad of a guy. It was nice. 
Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, clearly, too. Uh, clearly, that's a very good dude. It, 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 it's a he's not around very long. Yeah. Well, that's that's why it's called The Adventures of Die, not The Adventures of Avon. <laughs> we already had The Adventures of Avon. It's called Dragon Quest. And you can play it on your Famicom for, uh, I don't know what a Famicom game went for in the mid-late mid 80s, but whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, um... And then, uh, the other, the other, the other Korean is, man, I, I, I find a performance pretty fun, uh, not an actor I'm, like, as familiar with, but I like performance a lot. It kind of, like, the right amount of, like, spunk to it to bounce off of diet properly well. I did, I did, I did, she, she, I, I like her performance a lot, she's, like, the right level of just, yeah, like, Spunky and active, uh, very much a a very like very very much. Let's like this 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 is a this like this character knows what they're doing. She is. I don't know. If she's the most competent because Pop's really the only one of the three who's kind of a bit of a layabout, and that's mostly because he's you know a little bit of a coward. Um, but she's she she feels like the one where like, if you have to put someone in charge, put her in charge. Oh, absolutely. Because she knows what she's doing. Um, I think I think I think Diana gets that across as like someone who is, you know, she is also a young hero, but she's also like very put together and has had to figure out a lot of things on her own and knows how to apply that to other things. Uh, I had a dumb thought while watching this. Should we make anything of the fact that Dai's two uh, partners are named Ma and Pop, Mom and Pop? <laughs> <laughs> or is that just a funny linguistic coincidence? Uh, uh... I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm pretty sure Toriyama didn't have any, like, direct say this, but it does kind of feel like a very Toriyama thing, in a way. It it does, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like her performance a lot. Like you were saying, she does kind of come up as, like, the most competent between the three early on, which is a lot of fun. And, so, and, and, like, and, she, does, and she does have some pretty good back and forth for, like, Pop in particular. Who we get as best before is just kind of a layman, and he's like clearly very annoyed with that. But he also does kind of get him to like you know kind of toughen up a bit by following her example, which is kind of nice. And and then like when it comes to the more dramatic beats, like uh, when he's first introduced, uh, and we find out he's not sees uh, one of Avon's former disciples, he doesn't initially know what happened to Avon, so. Uh, Die and Pop kind of don't know how to break the news to her, so they kind of try to uh, dance around her for a while, and then she kind of fired that offhand while, like, overhearing them, and uh, I think Diana did a pretty good job of kind of, like, selling that whole sense of loss there. Hmm. You feel, you feel her pain. Yeah. Uh. And then, like, yeah, and then, like, uh, later on where they're, like, Going off to fight Crocodile and Pop's like a little bit too scared to fight. I think like Deanna and Deanna does also do a pretty good job of kind of getting like the frustration across where it's like, ah, come on, man, what are you doing? You, you, you gotta come and fight. And he's just, you know, a little bit too much of a coward to actually stand up and do anything. I, I don't remember when this happens, but there's the bit where like uh, Pop has unwittingly abandoned Die and something, and when uh, Mom finds him, she's like, Did you abandon him to fight a monster by himself? Did you do, did you do that? Uh, she's just like reading in the right <laughs> actor. It's obvious character is. It's very entertaining. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do like I do like Dana a lot, and she does 
it's a pretty it's a pretty fun performance, and I'm glad she does. Also, get to do uh, quite a bit in later episodes, so that'll be fun. And then, as a, and then uh, Kelly Sheridan as uh, Leona. Uh, Kelly Sheridan is an actor I'm pretty familiar with, and I'm glad I actually get to talk about her because I do like her in a lot of the things I've heard her in. Yeah, she always has a uh, she always has a pretty good job of doing kind of uh, kind of having uh, uh, kind of doing the whole spunky heroine thing a lot too, uh, but in a way that's a little bit different from uh, what Man where uh, uh, where Man is kind of where Man is like a little spunky, but she's also pretty nice. Whereas Leona is just kind of like very uh, very uh, blunt, which is uh, kind of amusing. Like when she's first introduced, she's kind of like jabbing at dialogue, and they have a pretty good amount of back and forth, which is kind of funny. Hmm. Yeah, she, she's... How do I put this? She's good as coming across as like... She's supposed to be regal, but not like a snob. Like, she she's a princess, and she knows it, but she's not just... Like, she's not a... You've seen the character type, or like they're you know they're royalty and they are an asshole because of it. Yeah. Uh, and I I don't really think that's how Leona's written, but I think Kelly like the character's not written that way. And Kelly, I think, does a good job of emphasizing that aspect. Like she is, she is important, but not necessarily in a like I I view myself as superior to all of you plebeians who follow me around. Um. Yeah, yeah, she does do a pretty good. Yeah, she does do a pretty good job of getting that kind of energy for us, and uh, especially like uh, a lot of her early interactions with Die, where like she's kind of annoyed at first, and he's like, you know, like doing all the formalities. He's like, no, 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 you don't need to do all that. We're all we're all friends here on this island full of monsters. No need, no need for no no need for unneeded propriety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and then uh, I. Yeah, and then I guess, like, um, also uh, pretty... And I don't think she also does a pretty good job, like, uh, when the whole um, assassination plot comes up and she has to, you know, like, be the authority figure and, like, put that down. I think she does a pretty good job there, too. Mm-hmm. I look, I look forward to her returning whenever her whenever Leona shows uh, up again. Yeah, like, uh, literally, like, the uh, the episode after this one, she shows up again. Oh, oh. oh good. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then uh, getting down to our final two characters, uh, we have our main character and uh, also die. <laughs> <laughs> pop, pop does he does feel main character shaped? Uh, uh, yeah, he does kind of weirdly have that energy to him, which is uh, kind of fun. Uh, as mentioned before, he is kind of, as before he does kind of start start off the story as being kind of like a lay about on the coward. I think that uh, Cole does a really good job of getting that across. And where this guy, where this guy just comes up is like he, he's clearly slacking off and not taking things very seriously. Yeah, between um between the three of them, they have like it's not exact, obviously, but I feel like they have a little bit of that sort of time boken like trio of bad guys. Uh, shape about them. Mm. Uh, if if maybe the difference being is that Pop is both of the dim-witted uh, henchmen at once. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would check out. Yeah, now Cole, Cole, I like Cole's performance a lot, both because he gets to be... He's funny, but also, like, when he is, like, feeling, like, anxious and down on himself, that actually comes across as 
like a like sincere or at least sincere enough for you know this silly adventure show for kids mm. um like he he you, you you get the sense that like he is not merely i don't there's stakes to it like he's not just afraid because it's funny he's afraid because he's actually concerned that he is in way over his head and he's going to like die or get someone killed Get abandon your comrades, friend. It's not good. People yell at you. Uh, yeah, and, uh, sp- yeah, and speaking of time, Okada, it's very amusing that, uh, so, uh, that early on in the show we're introduced to like uh, this trio of characters who are you know kind of very team rockety, um, like th- like they pretend to be heroes but they kind of suck. So, uh, but then uh, but then when uh, Pop tries but then when Pop uh, runs up runs off on his own because he's too scared to fight, uh, he runs into them and he runs into the maids of that group who uh, ends up revealing himself that uh, he. Uh, that he actually uh, that he actually trained under remains to I guess uh, like join the heroes party someday as well, but uh, uh, but he was a bit of a he was a bit too much of a coward for that and kind of ran away at the first opportunity, uh, and he kind of sees that Pop is in a similar situation to him, and he's like, nah, you know what, son, you're better than that. Don't be like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that cold is a pretty good. I think that Cole does a pretty good job in her whole stage. There's a weird about it, there's a weird about a pop first of that for like what would otherwise be a pretty silly show. Hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's something I appreciate about this. It feels to make a very arbitrary comparison from shows from my childhood. It feels a little more like Digimon than Pokemon, where Pokemon has stakes, but they're all episode to episode. And Digimon has stakes that actually evolve and change. Uh, and I, even as a dumb ten-year-old who didn't know any better, I figured out that the, the latter of these was more interesting, and I was going to watch that more consistently. Uh, and I appreciate finding something kind of in this style that also is kind of in that in that stance. Like, no, we're telling a, a grand story. We shouldn't just... We should have, you know, build-up and foreshadowing and so on. Um... I think it, and I think you you can see that in stuff like Cole's performance, where like he is a coward, but that is a that is not a that is not a static attribute. That's something that's going to change and grow as the story goes on. Uh, yeah, that yeah, it even gets to change uh, during that arc where he does uh, where he does eventually decide to turn around and like come to help Dying Man, and whether to break of things. And I think Cole does a really good job of kind of uh, kind of handling like uh, everything Pop's going through in that moment, where he's still like. And he's still really scared and really thinks he's in over his head, uh, but it's but in that but, but in that moment he knows that like he'll feel even worse when he imagines that. But I think that Cole does a really good job of getting that paper across really well. Good times. Oh yeah, and I'm glad. Yeah, and I'm glad he got it. And I'm glad he got to do something cool in that moment. It was pretty fun. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I really do. I really like Cole's performance a lot. And again, I'm really glad I get to talk about him in this show because. Because, uh, uh, again, I said before, uh, that Kate did was pretty rough, but he was very good at that. And I like him in a lot of the other things I've heard him in, so I'm really glad I get to talk about him. Nice. Even after I wish it was in more things. All, all we need to do is get, I guess, Viz to commission more Canadian stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
or or G Kids, I guess they see they see they they got they got one of their properties there. Maybe they'll go back to that well again yeah, in the future. I mean, as, I mean hey, uh, we got the power of remote recording. I mean, uh, I mean, we got a couple of Canadian phones and some remote dubs. Uh, somebody can hire him. That's true. Uh, and uh, then, uh, last but not least, uh, Sabrina Pitt has died. Uh, funny enough, going into this show, I had actually assumed I had never heard of her before, but then, like, I was just credits and saw that she was in things like Future Card Buddy Fighter. I was like, oh, I have heard of her before, because, again, I was one of those weirdos who watched that show for some reason. And, uh, I, I, I thought she was, like, I thought she was, like, pretty solid in that show for what was kind of an otherwise an okay Blue Water dub. Um, so I'm glad she kind of got to come back and do something big like this. No, she's delightful. Good, good, good kid hero protagonist voice. Uh, just like, so, you know, energetic, um, full, you know, sort of venom vigor, and she really, she really wants to be the best, you know, the hero in this case. Um, and... I don't know. I think my favorite bit is when they go to the, they they have to stay overnight at an inn, and it's like, oh, there's a heroes party in one of these other rooms, and they're like, oh, good, I want to meet them. And he's he's knocking on the door, and it turns out it's the like fake hero party that they had kicked their harassed earlier. And it's like, hey, why it's you guys? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I do think that Farina does a really good job of getting across. Like, you know, a lot of that kid hero with duty has a bit energy really well. And like especially in a lot of the early episodes where he's still, you know, kind of on the island of monsters and he doesn't really know how to interact with people properly. I think that Sabrina kind of gets that awkwardness across pretty well and it's a lot of fun in those early episodes. Uh, but then, hmm. you know, like when he has to, uh, when, uh, you know, has to be the big dramatic hero, I think that Sabrina also does that really well. And also, you know, does a really good job like screaming attack names and whatnot. It's, it's pretty cool. No, there's a good, there's a good, there's good shouting, which I feel like in a show like this where people do actually like state what they're doing, that's that's important. Yeah. Uh, and she does, she gets to show some good dramatic chops during the more dramatic parts, like when Yvonne is sacrificing himself and uh, you know pa, uh, brass is being threatened. Uh, I'm, and I'm always a little impressed when people can do you know. See, I'm putting on a little boy voice for this. I'm always impressed by people who can act consistently through that. I, that always feels like one of those things that is not. It is not hard per se, but it feels like the kind of thing that's easy to screw up if you're not good at yeah. it. Uh, and I and I appreciate it when I see good examples of it. It's nice. uh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, and I do appreciate that again. While this is kind of very nineties thing, we do. Uh, there are moments where you know Dad gets to be a little bit more empathetic than you might expect for this kind of show, like. So, uh, like when he first meets Hugo and he hears about his backstory, and he's like, "Oh wow, this guy is just like me," and he fe- and he feels yeah. like a little bad for him because he's like, "Oh well, you know, if I, if I were in that situation, I lost my grandpa. Maybe I would have turned out like he did." Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> you look. You look at a guy. Oh, that's the that's my bad future. That's where, that's where things went poorly. Yeah, but yeah, but I think Sabrina does a really good job here. I really uh, like her performance a lot, and I'm really glad she uh, got to get a big role like this. Hopefully, she gets to do more stuff like this in the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Was, this is I. I if nothing else. I look forward to watching more of this show. Yeah, hey, I guess that's a pretty good way, good way to segue into final thoughts. Uh, this is this 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 dub's a lot of fun. 
Like, this is a nice, fun, like, kid-friendly adventure show. Uh, this this feels like something that would be good to, you know, like, you, you, you know, you know, like, an 8 to 10-year-old who wants something with, you know, excitement and fighting, but it's not too intense. Uh, this is, this is a good choice for that. Uh, I think the dub's really well done. I think the, you know, the, the writing is, it's appropriately punchy. It can get some actual, like, drama and pathos when it needs to be. I think the acting is very strong throughout. Uh, like, the only complaint I really have is that it's not on a... This is begging to... Maybe not terrestrial TV anymore, because I feel like that's not really where you go for... You know, it's not really you go to make money anymore, but, like, this is begging to get picked up by a more widely seen streaming service in some capacity. Even if it's just as, like, you know... Uh, you know, one of the endless number of things that Netflix will pick up for, like, a couple years and then drop when the contract ends. Like, that would be a nice fit for this, just as, like, something that would be a little more easily accessible than what it is right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I kind of feel the same here. This is a show I... So, yeah, the, this is a show I ended up liking a lot. Like, uh, one of my... Uh, like, one of my Twitter mutuals, Mendes, uh, was uh, pretty excited for this when he heard uh, this was getting announced for a reboot, so that got me curious about it, and I ended up liking this show a lot, so I'm glad it uh, finally got a dub, even if, like, the whole process getting there was kind of weird, and, uh, it, so, and, uh, it was nice getting to watch it, it was nice uh, getting to hear something from the folks in Canada, because, uh, it kind of sucks they don't get to do as much work these days. But, uh, yeah, this dub is, mm. uh, really solid, it has the right amount of, uh, Saturday morning cartoon energy to it that, uh, feels appropriate for this kind of show, like, the performances, the dialogue feels... Uh, very appropriate for that sort of thing. And it does feel like the kind of thing you could probably uh, show to your seven or eight-year-old if you, you know, you want to get them into anime, but you want to show them something uh, too intense, like Jujutsu Concert or something. Uh, this feels like a pretty good show you could put on for them. And, uh, to, and, I'm, glad the, to, and I'm glad it has a solid enough to match. But uh, like you were saying, I do wish it was a little more widely accessible. Like, even if the dub was just like on Crunchyroll or something, would be a little bit uh, better than this where it is now, mm -hmm. I guess. And it is what it is. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's worth it turn around, even if it's just, you know, like, I think I'm on Tsunami or something. Yeah, at least at least in the U.S. I believe in, I believe this, people are first aware of this because it showed up in Britain, and I think, that, I want to say there it was on, like, iPlayer, which is, like, the BBC's, like, on-demand service. Uh, yeah, I actually did um, try watching it up that way, but, uh, my, uh, but uh, it kept blocking my VPN, so uh, I had to wait. That, I... I feel like that that one's that one's tricky because my understanding is like that's all tied into like in in England you pay a license for your TV connection basically um, that's how the BBC like gets funded um, so I, that feels like the kind of thing that VPNs don't work very well with. Um, however, that also means like are you like, are you listening to this and you're based in England? Congratulations or you know, anywhere the BBC's iPlayer works. Congratulations, like you can watch this really easily compared to us. So like go take advantage of that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, that, uh, more or less does it for tonight. So, uh, so, uh, so, uh we are the Dub Top Podcast, uh, you can, uh, we have new episodes going up every two weeks or so, uh, you can find us on YouTube as, well, as audio versions on platforms like, uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, those places. And, uh, and, uh, you can also follow us on social media through, uh, Twitter, uh, it's, uh Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, which is, uh, slowly rising back because, uh, who knows how long Twitter is going to be around for. 
It's a great, it's a great game of chicken. We never, we don't want to play, but have to. Uh, yeah. And uh, that if you want to support editing that we do, uh, you can give us a one-time donation to our coffee, or you can be one of our lovely patrons. Uh, so, uh, in the five dollar tier, we have Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Julie W, Nico Robert, Boy Hands, Effector Marimona, and in the ten dollar tier, we have Anthony Brown, Carly Lesikow, Kristen Akinda, Jacob Wilson, Jordan Hawkins, Bruce Lenti, and Taco Anthony. Uh, thanks for your support, guys. We really appreciate the support. It's true. Yeah, and uh, so uh, where can we get people find you, Alban? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, where I talk about uh, movies and music and comic books and dumb garbage like that. Uh, let's see. I I should have a dusty old song, and now it just occurred to me that I, I cannot... What did I pick? I had something. Here, uh, stall for a minute while I try and remind myself. Okay. Um, I'll give I'll get one in yeah, a second. Uh, as for me, I'm Jet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Divine Dagger, where I will uh, usually be talking about, uh, you know, like uh, animation, news, or games, or like, uh, you know, whatever uh, world stuff is, whatever big world events are going on right now, because, you know, uh, everything is always on fire, which kind of sucks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, aside from that, you can also find me on a couple of other podcasts. Uh, you can find me on the Surreal Resolutions podcast today, where uh, I'll uh, usually be shooting a breeze about animators and stuff alongside fellow dumb talkers, Andrew. And then I also uh, do some writing occasionally for Anime News at work, and I've also done um, something recently for Anime Feminist, a, a little article going over, you know, like... Um, there's a, uh, the whole discussion going on with localization and uh, there's a, a whole connection between that and uh, the uh, reference with the old ADV dub of ghost stories. So uh, uh, check that out if that sounds interesting to you, I guess. And for my uh, dusty old song, initially I had hoped to pick something that was uh, about Dragon Quest. Uh, but unfortunately there are like a bunch of Dragon Quest games that all have their own soundtrack. So trying to find that was difficult. So instead, I'm going to go for my old nerd standby, uh, The Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin, uh, which is not about Dragon Quest, but it is about Lord of the Rings, and that's pretty nerdy. Uh, so go go listen to that. It's a good song. Oh, sounds good. So, uh, yeah, I guess that will more or less do it for us. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Amon. Oh, thank you for having me. Cool. So, uh, thanks for listening, folks, and uh, till next time, uh, our talk on, friends. Rock over Boston, rock on Chicago. Cause I know what disappointment's like when you laugh until you cry. Oh.